Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and news from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Now, Amy will be joining us later in the episode when we get to our resources of the week, as well as this week in SBC history, as she does each and every week. Uh, but again, she's on vacation this month in July, also uh, in her new role at the Summit Church there in the Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina area. And so uh, she's taking kind of a hiatus for July. So you're stuck with just me for the news and the interviews. And then she'll pop in at the end. Uh, we pre-recorded some This Week in SBC Histories as well as the resources of the week. So Amy will be joining us later. But let's get things started here. Before we get to the news, do want to thank our sponsor each and every week here on the podcast. SBC This Week is sponsored by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where you can get the theological training and the hands-on experience you need to thrive in ministry. Don't miss their Ministry Now conference on September 27 to 29th at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. This conference is founded on an unyielding commitment to biblical truth built by expert practitioners and designed to encourage and equip church leaders for every area of ministry. Keynote speakers include pastors Juan Sanchez and Matt Carter, as well as Southwestern President Adam Greenway. And worship will be led by the Gettys, that's Keith and Kristen Getty. Travis Cottrell, and the Southwestern School of Church Music and Worship. You can visit swbts.edu slash ministrynow2021 to learn more. That's swbts.edu slash ministrynow2021 to learn more. So uh, do check out that conference. Sounds like a pretty good conference uh, later in September. So some news this week. So we do have some news before we get to our interview. We got Don Currents on the podcast this week. Don's going to join me in just a few minutes, talk about his role as registration secretary for the convention. Uh, but before we get to Don, we do want to note that there are a couple of big committees have been named this week. Uh, first of all, SBC President Ed Litton has named a presidential task force to oversee the independent review of the executive committee on how it handled claims of sexual abuse from those over the last 20 years in the SBC. The members of the task force are Bruce Frank will chair the task force. Bruce is the lead pastor at Biltmore Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. The vice chair of the task force, Marshall Blaylock, who's the pastor at First Baptist Church of Charleston, South Carolina. John Damon, the chief executive officer of Canopy Children's Solutions out of Jackson, Mississippi, and a member of Broadmoor Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi, also serving on the committee. The other members on the committee are Liz Evan, a judicial law clerk at the Tennessee Court of Criminal Appeals here in Nashville and a member of Hilldale Baptist Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. Heather Evans, who's the director of Evans Counseling Services in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania, and a member of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Center Valley, Pennsylvania. Andrew Abair, who's the lead pastor of Paramount Baptist up in Amarillo, Texas. And Bukas Sterling III, the senior pastor of Kettering Baptist Church in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Uh, again, uh, you may be wondering why uh, Heather Evans of Cornerstone Presbyterians on the committee. Remember the, the directive from the messengers were to include Southern Baptist, as well as experts in the field of handling sexual abuse. Uh, so that's how Heather Evans fits into the task force. Also advising the task force will be Rachel Denhollander, an attorney advocate and educator up in the Louisville area, as well as Chris Moles, who's an ordained minister with the Christian and Missionary Alliance and senior pastor of the chapel in Winfield, West Virginia. He's a certified biblical counselor. So you got Denhollander and Moles who will be advising the task force on their work as well as those committee members. So do be in prayer for Bruce Frank and Marshall Blaylock as they lead this task force put together by SBC President Ed Litton. So news from the ERLC this week, we have a presidential search committee to find the successor 
to Russell Moore as the next president of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. David Prince has selected Todd Howard as chairman of the Presidential Search Committee. He is the pastor of Watson Chapel Baptist Church in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Other members of the trustee board who are named to the committee are Lori Bova from New Mexico, Tracy Griggs of North Carolina, Christine Hoover from Virginia, Juan Sanchez of Texas, and A.B. Vines of California. David Prince, the chairman of the board, will serve as an ex officio member of the committee as well. Bova is the founder of Veritas Classical Christian Academy and a member of Taylor Memorial Baptist Church in Hobbs, New Mexico. Griggs is a communication and public policy specialist and radio host and member of Fairview Baptist in Apex, North Carolina. Matt Capps, the pastor there, good friend of the pot. Christine Hoover is obviously the author and Bible teacher. Many of you have read and know and seen her work. Uh, she's a member of Charlottesville Community Church in Charlottesville, Virginia. And Juan Sanchez, many of you also a friend of the pod and former interview here on the pod. Uh, Juan is the senior pastor at High Point Baptist down in Austin, Texas. And A.B. Vines is uh, probably no stranger to many. He is a former first vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention. So A.B. Vines served, I believe, from 18 to 19, 2018 to 2019, as first vice president of the SBC. So be in prayer for uh, this committee, the presidential search committee from the ERLC and Chairman Todd Howard, as they look to find the new leader for the ERLC. Some news from Nevada. They have a new state executive out there in Nevada, and I really wish Amy was here so she could pronounce this name because we've done this name a few times before, and she can't really get it, but I'm here instead. So, Damian Serencioni, congratulations to you as uh, the new Nevada state exec. So, uh, Damian takes over for Kevin White, who left at the end of 2020. So, uh, they've been without a state exec for about seven or eight months down in Nevada, and now they have Damian Serencioni in charge, who will take the role September the 7th, uh, later this year. He's been the executive pastor at Shadow Hills Church in Las Vegas. And finally, it's the first of the month. You know what that means? That's right. It's cooperative program reporting time. And we got some great news here, folks. $6.149 million above the budgeted giving this year. That's 4.39% above the budget for this year. So receipts are really rolling in good. We had a really, really strong June in 2021, $17.4 million given in June, and that is about $1.8 million, more than the budgeted amount of $15.5 million. So we are sitting good with just three months to go here in cooperative program giving. I think the most encouraging thing about this report was the designated gifts. So far this year, we received $172.5 million in designated gifts. Basically, that's Annie and Lottie all lumped together and what people have sent in through the executive committee. Uh, there are some other gifts that are given directly to NAM or IMB. But for the most part, that 172.5 indicates the combined NAM and IMB Christmas and Easter offerings. And uh, that means great things because Lottie Moon, uh, again, last year had a great strong year, expecting another strong year this year. But because of COVID-19 last year, Annie Armstrong Easter offering really took a big hit. We talked about that a little bit on the pod, but they are well above where they have been in the past so far this year. So a very, very strong rebound in giving to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering this year. So that's some great news there. And that's going to do it really for our headlines this week and drop us right into our interview with Don Currents. 
Joining us this week on SBC This Week is Don Currents, the current Registration Secretary for the Southern Baptist Convention, and also the Administrative Pastor up at First Baptist Church of Ozark, Missouri. Don, thanks for being here, man. Hey, glad to be here. And, and by the way, before we get going, I just want you to know you live in one of my favorite places in the world. I am all about the Ozarks and Branson and all. I, like, Amy, it's kind of a running gag on the podcast. Amy knows that if if I could go on anywhere for vacation— I'm headed to Branson. I'm headed to the Ozarks, yeah. and and that's where I'd be. Hey, I'm 23 miles from it. So the good part is we go down and visit. You come back home at night. Yeah, you yeah, can sleep in your own bed. Yes. So that's so cool, man. I I, I would I would love to be <laughs> there. Um, that's just it's just a beautiful country, and I love Branson. I love Silver Dollar City. It's it's like that was what we went to when I was growing up. So, like. It's it's like nostalgic. It's probably way heavier weighted in my life than it should be, um, because it's so nostalgic for me. But like that's what I think of when I think of you know being a kid. Anyway, but that's for our other podcast, Branson Today with Amy and Jonathan. Uh, we we don't have that one ready to go yet, but uh, <laughs> but we wanted to have you on to talk about all things uh, kind of registration secretary and and we just coming off the largest southern baptist convention in 25 years you're a registration secretary served for us in that role because of kathy litton's uh, resignation earlier this year when her husband was running for president and you've been registration secretary before now you're it again basically and you've been helping out with this process for a long time so so tell us Let's let's start kind of back whenever you got first involved. Jim Wells preceded you in that in that role. So tell us how you got involved with that, involved with him, and, and kind of in the role that you're in now. Well, Jim, 16 years ago, was my director of missions. And, of course, we're in the same situation. He won in St. Louis and then uh, realized Jim is very much the big picture person. He, know, he knew me and everything. He knows I'm OCD. And he asked me when we was going to Nashville, if I was come in and just kind of behind the scenes, because like I said, he had the big picture, but there's nothing written down as for the trainings. All this was just kind of verbal in his head. And so I came in and just started observing, watching what's going on, starting writing down if he was saying at the trainings, instructions on how we did the restoration committee and all, it was just to get things ready. So the notebook I have has been a 16 year process, but basically just help him out and to be behind the scenes because position requires you to be about three places at the same time during that week. I mean, seriously, you, I mean, Sunday, Monday is not as bad, but you still got meetings going on. And of course, Tuesday, Wednesday, you've got the, you know, the platform, but you've got registration still happening. You still have teller, teller committee votings going on. And so it's really, it's critical. You have people behind the scenes to help support what's taking place. And so, God just opened the door for me to do this. And just to, again, it was just to be his assistant. Yeah. And all. And that was and, 2005 when the convention came yes, to Nashville. Na- yes. And it was here in town. And, you know, it's kind of, we're back there again this year and, yeah. and just a tremendous crowd. So, and just for those who may not know, registration secretary, your main duties are, are basically threefold. So, one, you've got the tellers, which count yes. the votes. So, Tuesday yes. and Wednesday, oh. when we have a ballot vote, and we all pass them into those buckets, and those buckets get wheeled to the teller's room. You're the guy in charge of making sure the tally is correct. Second duty right. is to be up there and to instruct us on how to vote and what's going on. Like that, That's the big thing on that one because as we saw in 2016, not everybody knows how to vote. Um, right. And, and every year we have 
disallowed ballots because somebody uses the wrong ballot. Somebody tears out two of them and grabs the second one or they use a different one or they mark it incorrectly or whatever it may be. Yeah, they vote for two people and you can't do that. Or they write somebody in, which that doesn't, yes. we don't, we don't have that. So, um, so you, you, that's the second duty. And then the third, you mentioned registration. So everybody who registers, you're running registration as well. So you've got registration, ballots counting, as well as instructions and, and announcements from the, the floor. So that's a lot going on for one person. Yes. And that's why you have to have a team. And I'm very blessed to have a team that Jim developed and I have carried over. Because also the thing is this, God knows it all. I mean, Jim, unfortunately, was suffering with cancer. And there's three times when he couldn't even be at the convention because his, he was doing treatments and everything. And I was made the acting. Which, who knew that? But God did. And so the God, you know, he put me in the right place, right time. Because as I always tell people, I don't know why he chose me. I don't like, the, the one thing I don't like about the position is this, being on the platform. That's part of it. You do it. I, yeah. I'm behind the scenes guy. I'm happy to be behind the scenes doing all the work. <laughs> well, I appreciate that about you. And I know a lot of people, they pick up on that and they realize that. I think that's, that's one of the things like I, if we had a registration secretary who wanted to be on the platform, I'd be a little concerned about that. You know, it's good that we have somebody who's kind of just like, Hey, I'm serving in the back. I'm just behind the scenes. I'm doing, doing my job, getting the things done. Now talk to us about volunteer. You mentioned that you started volunteering for Jim and you do these trainings. How many people, like take it in the two big buckets, the registration and the tellers, how many people do we really look at? Like, I know that the president nominates these people, but there are other people that help out too, that you've got like your team that kind of oversee everything every year. How many people are we talking in, in each area? Well, okay, with registration, we have first the tech support. There are seven gentlemen from across the convention who come as we can give their time to help with setting up the computers and all, oversee it, troubleshooting during the week, also help when people have issues as you know well take care of the issues and everything then sharon is who's one of the spouses novak worked with our volunteers as we have college kids that come in to work for registration we've learned years ago college kids are the best to do the computers they just you know second nature for them we have we had 39 people this year from alabama and tennessee plus my two daughters and, and two exec committee sons that were there helping us so there's about 40 people with college kids, seven tech guys for registration. Then we have registration committee, which was 28 people. Those are people elected by the president. And then we have a chairperson and vice chairperson. And then teller committee, same thing. We had chair, vice chair. Normally we have 30 people on tellers. This year, when we did the presidential ballot, we actually had 56 tellers counting the president and the runoff. We had people coming different times because of the schedule. We actually had about 80-some people whose tellers that would come to the other during the, during the convention. So this week, or you know, this year, the week that you, we just had, yeah. that sounds like you had about 150 people whenever you add it yes. all up under yes. your purview to make it happen, you know, yes. get it done. Well, it takes, like I always tell people, it takes a team. Plus, I have what I call my captains, Larry Craig, who oversees registration committee, committee. Kevin does the uh, registration, and Dale Eichvigger helps me with tellers. Because, again, we have chairpersons that come in. They're new people every year. And they're great people. They're great support. But these have the history and all how to – I'm not in the room what to do. Yeah. Like I said, it's a team. I always, I've always said that. It's a, a team, and I'm very blessed to have a great set of people working with me. 
Yeah. Now walk us through a ballot vote because we, we kind of did a, you were kind enough and thank you again for letting us do this for Baptist press. We were able to send a photographer and track a ballot from like beginning to end. But a lot of people, you know, they, they sit there, they mark off their ballot, they pass it to the end of the row. It gets tossed in a bucket and they just kind of trust that it gets counted correctly. So yeah. walk us through like how you do that in the process and, and kind of the, the, the backstops you have just to, to, one, eliminate any question of fraud or anything like that. And number two, to ensure accuracy. Yeah. Well, like I said, of course, people are always surprised when they find out, tellers especially, it's by hand. They think there's machines back there. It's by hand. As you know, the ushers collect the ballots, and then at least three people then from the meeting hall going to teller rooms are taking the ballots to us. The ballots are never by themselves. There's one person. There's at least three people to the teller room. And then when we get to the teller room, we have what I call counting teams. Basically, you get a partner. Two people are always counting the ballot. But basically, once we get all the ballots from the ushers, then we divide them up as much as possible equally in piles at your table. And you have your partner. Basically, at that point, we start stacking them. Of course, that's why at the first ballot, I said, please don't fold them because that increased the time greatly to get them into the stacks. But then if you basically, if it's a yes or no motion or if it's a candidate, which one, three, five, and seven, you get into stacks. Well, every stack is counted twice. You have a slip there and you're sounding off after you count your stack and after they count another person count their stack and, and you just change chairs count again the second time. If you balance, if you, if you match, you're done. If it doesn't, if you don't come up the same number, you recount. Hmm. And, and then once you do, and, and y'all agree upon the count. You go up to the computer. We have a person with an Excel sheet that's set up that has all the counting teams and the candidates and everything. It shows percentages and all that. And then at that point, you would then, uh, you know, you give your numbers to y'all watching the person putting the numbers in to make sure that things reverse. Also in the process, we do have, a, you mentioned, disallowed ballots because for some reason, People don't always listen to instructions. And so Dale, the person who helps me, Tina, who is the chairperson, the chair, and ourselves, we, when, when someone has a question on a ballot, we all three look at the ballot. So minimum three people looking at ballots are in question. At that point, we determine. We have the guidelines that we have used over the years that the lawyers, again, I met for the convention, we went over what is a North ballot, what's a disallowed ballot, and what's a county ballot. And made sure, yes, he said, you, everything we're doing is proper and correct. And at that point, we determine if it's a ignore this loud ballot and all. Because we if we can tell their intent, we want to count. Again, three people when it comes down to making a final judgment or making the decision, not one person but three people. We do want every vote to count for each election. Yeah. And after, like I said, after you go up to the and it's input in the Excel sheet, you go back and you sit and wait till we're all finished. Because nobody can leave until and now it's completely finished. And then also, usually they know the results, but then also they know we did not say anything, speak until it's been put onto the, you know, announced on the platform. Yeah. Because we just, we want, that's, that's what has to be announced. You don't, yeah. you don't put it on social media, you don't tell anyone. Yeah. I mean, I had some people texting me on the presidential. I said, I'm not saying a word. You know that. Well, no, I'm not going to until it's announced on the platform. 
Yeah. I mean, even y'all behind the scenes on the platform, when I came up, I wouldn't even tell you all. I know. I, I said that last week on the podcast, too, or a couple weeks ago. I, I mentioned, I said Don came yeah. up and like Amy saw it and she's sitting up there the resolutions. She, Don's back. He's got results. And I'm sitting there. Obviously, you're right in front of me. Obviously, I know you're back. And and I'm like, I, I'm sitting back there and I can't see anything. You're not saying anything. And it's like, you know what? It It's not my job to know it. I'm waiting on Don to announce it. So I just kind of well, sat there and, and let it happen. And, and you know, you, I did, but I will say this, Don, you did scare me because you came back to your desk and immediately you pulled out a ballot like you were going to go up there. And I thought we were back in 2016 again. I thought oh. for a brief minute, because you came back and you were really kind of scrambling, you know, you're pulling your ballot thing out and you're taking that with you. And I'm like, he's going to get up there and tell us that we've got to vote again. I thought I was so worried that we were having the same thing as 2016 again, but that was oh. actually for the vice president thing that you were yeah, getting, for the, ready, just to getting ready. ready for the next election. You were, you were just getting ready, but you kind of freaked me out for a minute there. Just for a, a few <laughs> few minutes, I was like, oh no, not again. Yeah. So, well, that, that's really fascinating that we see that. Now, now you mentioned that the teams count and if they have something, you know, they go back over it again. Is it normal for them to get the same count on the first ballot? I mean, the first time through, or does it usually Most take a time or two? Because we, I suggest to them, don't, like I said, don't put all the ones in a pile, of maybe 150, put them in a stack of 50. So that way, if something doesn't match, it's easy to do a recount. I mean, it's just, it doesn't match real quick. Yeah. Versus the whole pile, and all. most of the time, every, every once in a while, yes, we do have where we're waiting on one team because they're having issues. And I've had to in time past actually. I've had two more people. I said, you know what? I know you're all struggling, and I appreciate what you're doing, but let's get to the people with a different set of eyes to look at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the volunteers you want you got to be kind yeah. with them, but sometimes you have to, you know, be, you know, yeah. you get step in and help. Now we had eight ballot votes this year and our, our teller team did a tremendous job, you know, yes. trying to get through those. I mean, cause we were literally up until the wall, like at the end of the day on Wednesday before you announced the final election. I mean, it was like literally almost one of the last things we did. And I, I mean, is eight, is that kind of, where does that rank? Is that on the high? It feels like oh. that was on the high end, right? Oh no. Hi. I've never done eight in one since I've been doing this. Well, you have now. We've had, we've had five <laughs> and six. Yes. But not eight. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you and I were talking about that before the convention. We 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 even bought new ballots yes. that had sixteen in it because we were worried that ten wouldn't be enough, and we almost got to that. I mean, I, I can only imagine had we only had the ten ballot um, ballots. Oh, I mean, I would have been ten sheet bullets. ballots. <laughs> I, you would have been absolutely losing your mind up there. I could have I could have totally seen this coming. Like, oh no, 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 no. Just make a call. Don't go to ballot. Don't. <laughs> So, because I, I so the teller team, we're watching. Um, we, we have a TV, and we're watching everything, and they're going, "Oh, is it going to be a ballot vote?" I said, "We'll see." <laughs> yep, we'll see. All right. I mean, we had two of them before lunch. That was the crazy thing. So on Tuesday, like, I mean, we're in no. the morning session. Two ballot votes, bang bang. Yeah, but the teller team, you know, they was outstanding. See, Tuesday night we was there almost eight 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 thirty, and so I ordered pizza and everything because we're still counting. You know, because everybody's Mister Supper. Yeah, Which I've what kind never of pieces did you get? Now you got me interested. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, um, well, hey, take us real quick. We only got a couple minutes left. Take us back to 2016. You were there in St. Louis. Um, I don't yes. believe like I, that was the year right before Jim passed away, wasn't it? Was no, that, Jim or was that the year before? Phoenix. It was okay, Phoenix. Phoenix. He passed okay. away. No, I was. No, Jim was there. Jim was Jim there, was there in was, 2016. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was there in St. Louis. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, how weird. 
was that in the ballot room? I mean, you don't have to give us all the details, but like you guys come up with it and you go, um, guys, well, we, we, we have a problem here. It, yeah, because we didn't have 50 percent because of disallowed. I yeah. mean, when he was we was checking the disallowed, but the disallowed was so many that they it did not no one could get a 50 percent majority. Yeah. Well, then there were like a lot of disallowed ballots that year. Yes, there were. It was the people were not voting correctly. It was we had mistakes. I mean, I this is what I did. I mean, after we vote, have a ballot vote, they're bundled county slips with that team. And there's a, therefore we know county 22 and this is the results and everything. And they're bundled as for one, three, five and all. And the disallowed were bundled together. That bothered me so much. I went back and went through the ballots and went through every disallowed again just to see. And the disallows were correct. They were correct. It just bothered me so much because of this loud throughout the election. Was there a certain, like, high, like, one thing or the, the, than the others that made them disallowed? Was it like one thing you're like, this oh, wrong is the ballots. problem right here? Yeah, wrong ballots. Uh, you cannot, their intent, they changed their mind. And if you cannot tell their intent, I mean, we can't count it. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, and, and wrong ballots could be, I mean, you've got to throw out the wrong ballot number. So yes. if you're ballot four and they turn in ballot five, you've got yeah. to throw that out because that could have been somebody voting twice. And yes. you don't know it. I mean, obviously we you do. don't know that, but right. you have to throw that one out. So right. yeah, I mean, but that had to be kind of head scratching in the back room there with you guys, because obviously I don't think Jim had ever seen it. You'd never seen anything like that. And I mean, even us in the parliamentarians, they were just kind of like, how, how is this possible? We have two people and we can't get a winner, but well, I, after the second one, I told Jim, it won't, you know, until JD, what he did, it was going to be the same result. If he had done a third election. No, I mean, it was not going to change, man. That was going to be weird. So that, that still is one of those things where we kind of all look at it and go, wow. And, and in the end, Steve Gaines elected by acclamation <laughs> yes. after, after all that work that you guys did. Yes. It didn't even like, you didn't even have a final vote and it was just by acclamation. So what a, what a in, incredible moment that was. I mean, that was just, that's one of those things you just kind of, we'll, we'll tell our grandkids about that one day, you know? So, but, um, uh, well, so Don, any, um, any advice or maybe if people really want to like help out with this in the future, I know there's some people that are really in, involved in, and helping you serve. I mean, what would you say to people that, you know, maybe want to be on the tellers committee or the registration committee or whatever like that? Well, I mean, I always compile a list because people always during the convention come up. So we keep a list going and then I'll turn this into now the new president Ed Litton because he always ask for suggestions. I say, these are people who spoke to me during the meeting that are interested in serving because, you know, they try to get a balanced committee from across the convention men, women, and all that. But I always, I always tell them, I can't promise you. I said, yes, I'm going to turn your name in. So if they want to contact me, if you want to give my uh, email, and just email me. I will add it to the list. I will turn it into Ed. All right. Well, hey, that would be a good thing for uh, folks. If you're interested in doing that, contact Don. We'll put the, the email in the show notes there so uh, people can do that. Uh, but, Don, we really appreciate you taking the time out and coming on here and, and just opening the window to your world, I guess you could say, uh, and, and the windowless rooms that your people <laughs> sit in. Well, and like I said, I have a great team that I get to serve with, and they what make it. The coolest thing is I meet great Baptists every year from cross convention I get to serve with. We have got great Baptists who love the Lord, who has a servant heart, 
And that is always the coolest thing each year. I get to meet new people, new friends. All right. Well, thank you, Don. We appreciate your service to Southern Baptist. Appreciate all that you, your family, I know they're, they're very involved, your girls every year, uh, everything you guys do. We really appreciate that. And thanks for coming on the show. Hey, glad to do it. You take care of now. All right, that was a great interview there with Don Currents, our SBC Registration Secretary. Always a pleasure to talk to Don. Amy, he was on vacation a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you saw his posts. I don't know if you're friends with him on Facebook. I am, but I, I but hadn't been on Facebook much I'm going to tell you right now, you need to go look at his posts about the food that he had. Life Ooh. is not fair. Okay. My, my favorite one might have been the crawfish garlic bread that he showed. Oh, man, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it looked amazing, too. Um, yeah, I, I gained twenty pounds just by watching or <laughs> just looking by at those, looking at the picture at the pictures. They that looked amazing. Sounds I mean, incredible. Like, hey, he went to New Orleans and he did it right. He did it That's right. That's what y'all. She, you have to. Um, I actually was just looking at some dates to see when we could get down there. It may be the spring before we can get down there to see uh, the Dew crew. And uh, I, I fully expect that when we do eating is going to be the order of the day. Yep, go in late March, early. April and have crawfish. That's crawfish season. Okay, that's good to it's know. Just some boiled crawfish. So excellent. All right. Anyway, that that's enough of that. Uh, but Don, I, I'm living vicariously through your vacation, man. That was amazing looking. All right, that's going to bring us to our favorite part of the week here on SBC this week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go to 1996 to something that a lot of us will remember. Some of us lived through. Uh, not all of us did, and that was. There was a lot of chatter and a lot of uh, Baptist press coverage about the Disney boycott. Oh, yeah! This is, oh. this, is the, this is the time of year. You um, know, Tom Elif. Tom Elif just shut off the uh, the podcast. He just turned. Yeah, off. well. Uh, so, nineteen ninety six. Tom was a president, by the way, back then. Right, so right, right. I understand, and I know he listens every week. I'm sure. He's an avid I'm listener. Sure. Yeah, I bet he is. Um. 1996 was when this was really hopping. And so the Baptist Press uh, issue for for July 8th is just really interesting. First of all, there's an article in there at the beginning that is talking about how um, how boycotts can work if they have enough committed grassroots support that it talks about, um, it makes some comparisons with other boycotts. And... And then it was that, you know, cause this came out of a resolution at the SBC annual meeting that year. And it said it only threatened action if Disney does not change its ways. But so the resolution itself didn't say it, but the public perceived it as a boycott and it just kind of took off from there. So. I remember this because I was in college and I had friends who were part of this. I had friends in the SBC. I was not. Um, and it kind of changed some of the things that we did because they actually participated in this and there were movies that we didn't go and see and, and things like that. Um, and then there was another thing. The American Family Association had mailed packets to 28,500 pastors with a letter, a fact sheet, and a postcard that could be sent to uh, Michael Eisner. Now, they had printed 500,000. He was the, the chairman at that time. They had printed 500,000 boycott cards. Now, let me tell you what this reminds me of, actually. So I heard about another, I don't know if it was a boycott, but it was a big postcard campaign. 
because my friend who used to work in customer service at Disney, her family had all worked in Disney. She lived in Orlando. And so she worked in customer service and she told me about another, I don't know if it was a boycott, but it was a big mail campaign. And it was when they shut down Mr. Toad's wild ride. And there was this flood of postcards that were all green. And they just said, save the toad. And all they did was get flooded with those. That's not what these postcards were. This is a different boycott, but it just reminded me of that. Anyway, so a lot of folks are going to have memories of this, I know, because, you know, like I said, I I wasn't Southern Baptist at the time, but I do remember friends participating in it. Uh, some, Some of our listeners may have even been there. But it's just really interesting to go back and look at the Baptist Press issue from that time when people were really talking about it and you know it's been it's been quite a while it's been 25 years since then so yeah uh, so 25 years ago the talk was disney boycott this week in svc history okay so i hate to be that guy amy but the boycott started the next year this was the precursor the boycott resolution but the boycott resolution was passed in 97 there's two resolutions. So there was, was one the passed official. in '96. So, so this. Yes, the one in '97 was passed. Yes. Well, they were already calling it a boycott. Yes. Well, it was a specific a appeal to the Disney company, which had been a respected lever of family entertainment. And they started, and they started yes. using it as a boycott. But and then in the next year, it was the boycott. '97 was the year. Well, they were that, talking about it in '97 mm-hmm. this week in SBC history too. Then, so I bet they were too. It works. <laughs> it be it further works. resolved. That we encourage Southern Baptists to refrain from patronizing any company that promotes immoral ideologies and practices, realizing the Disney company is not the only such provider. But also that they refrain from patronizing the Disney company and any of its related entities, understanding. Yeah. So that's from 97. So so this started, it kind of got its its legs in 96 and like took off in 97. I need to talk about my process a little bit here. So I just go digging into archives and I just found this, this issue from 96 and the first headline is it calls it a Disney boycott. So it sounds like what's happening is the initial resolution happened. The American family association was calling for a boycott and kind of springboarded off from that resolution and they pushed it. And then I guess it kind of pushed for a year yeah, After and then that, came back up the next year, and boom, here we go. Right, and so then the official resolution calling for a boycott, and a lot of people really participated. So, uh, yeah. all right, couple year process. This is we're just doing history live on I here. Know. I'm getting all you my know facts when it ended. straight. I don't know, but I do know that it is over because I'm probably going to Disneyland next year. <laughs> It's been over in the Whitfield in, House for a while. Yeah, it I mean, was when actually we're in, in 2005. <laughs> 2005. Okay. Um, they basically came together and said to stand down. So the AFA began, like you said, in 96. I'm looking at an NBC News article from from back in 2005 right here. And the AFA stuff really began as a protest and a boycott of Disney promoting the gay agenda, as they labeled it, which, I, you know, that was actually what was rooted right. here in, sure. in the um, Southern Baptist one as well. So it, it really kind of, it got its start, like you said, in 96 really kicked off with Southern Baptist in 97. And then in 90, in 2005, Southern Baptist basically said, all right, that's this is over with. We're done. So, yeah. So there you go. And then I've, I, I've been to Disney several times. So And Amy, I'm going to send this to you real quick in the chat because I want you to see this picture. I want us to talk about it here. 
Um, actually, I'll just text it to you. But uh, this picture that they got of Ken Witten preaching, I love this picture. And I got to figure out how to get a camera up above the podium and get this shot for next year. Oh, wow. Isn't that a cool shot? Yeah. That's really so, cool. And this all right, is we'll put an the NBC link in the show notes, folks, yeah. to all this stuff. Because all right, so go. It's an there's NB- a lot going on here. Yeah, it's an NBC News article about the end. But if you go to it, this picture is man, that's that really cool? cool. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I had to get some flowers from in front of the podium too to yes, really set it off for sure. So okay, all right. Well, that that's really cool. And um, yes, boycott. You know what? We should probably try to get somebody on and maybe have an interview about the Disney boycott. Since we're going to Anaheim this next year, annual meeting will be right there. Literally, y'all, next door to Disney. Literally. I mean, it's a pretty... This is like... it. It's like eight so, or nine... It, I mean, I guess when you think 96 to 2005, sort of yeah, the precursor. It's a, nine, this it's is a, a decade-long process. Yeah, basically. part of our, our history, so... We should... I, I, let's talk to some folks, and let's figure out who would be good to have on, and let's talk about the send Disney us, boycott. Send us messages. Yeah, send, send us ideas. Well, send Jonathan messages because, as you all know, we are pre-recording this because I'm on vacation. So, um, so send send ideas our way. I might see it. I might not. Make sure you tag Jonathan. So, yes, yes, please do. And but send us ideas on who you think would be a good person to talk to, if anybody else out there thinks of someone better than what we can think of. Yeah, so that'd be, be very that'd be interesting. So, yeah. All right, very cool. All right, well, hey, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is. My resource of the week is a new book that I just ordered, so I haven't read it yet, but it's called Reading the Times, A Literary and Theological Inquiry into the News. It's by uh, Jeffrey Bilbro, who I believe is new on the faculty at Grove City College, I think, up in Pennsylvania. He's been at a, another school in, in uh, I think, Michigan or, or something, but he's done a book that talks about how we're basically not just being informed by the news, but we're being formed that what, what news consumption does to us That's really and good. how, and how we can have a better understanding of uh, why it's there and, and how we should, how we should handle it almost, you know, how to have the right kind of distance. But it looks like he, he gives some theological, you know, thoughts on it. Also some historical considerations as far as how the news has developed over time. So I think it's pretty cool. Lots of conversations these days about media consumption, but he's specifically talking to, uh, talking uh, on the subject of the news and how we take it in. So I think that's an important topic these days for sure. in the 24 hour news cycle that we live in. So uh, anyway, I I ordered that with some, some books, have it coming in and, uh, and figured I would share that with folks. All right. Very neat. So, all right. My resource of the week is actually some music, new music from the journey worship co. I'm not sure if that sounds for company or or what, but uh, Journey Worship over here in Lebanon. You know Eric Reed, good friend of the pod, and yes. his worship band led by Brett Perkins, also okay. a good friend of the pod and former neighbor of at least half the pod. Uh, he lived right down the street from me whenever we lived out in Lebanon. They have a new song out, a new album coming. It's called Alpha and Omega, the song is, and it's really good. And uh, I, I really like whenever local churches are writing their own worship. And, you know, putting out their own worship music and stuff. It's, it's some fantastic stuff. Eric's a, a good friend, as you, as I mentioned earlier. 
And former, he was my pastor. We actually went to the journey for a while uh, when Beth was between jobs. And and um, very cool. So they've got a new song out, new stuff, and you know it's just really solid, good theologically driven worship music. So I highly recommend that one. It's called Alpha and Omega by the Journey Worship Co. So uh, that that's my resource of the week. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So you, we mentioned that you're pre-recording this, and yes. Obviously, you know, I, I mentioned it at the top of the show before we had the the news and roundup and then Don Currents, but I don't know if I know where you're going on vacation or where you are on vacation right now. We are actually going, and uh, when people hear this, we'll be there, back to Lake Norman, where we went last oh, okay. year. So last year, we went to the lake because, like everyone else, you know, pandemic vacation was difficult last year, so we just got an Airbnb at the lake in Charlotte, and we had a rent a boat, and just ordered groceries because that's when everybody was picking their groceries up and just cooked and hung out at the house and relaxed. And uh, we enjoyed it so much that we just decided to do it again this year, but we do get to get out a little bit. So yeah. we're Are you taking we're the RV. Headed. No, we're not taking the RV. We're just, we, we're going to have a house and rent a boat and, uh, and go, go over there and just get a little bit of relaxation. So All right. I plan to that read like a fun. lot. And I'm trying, my goal is to stay off social media, to really unplug, and I'm even going to, I think, hand my phone over to Keith. So, Oh, wow. So if you're listening and you tried to get in touch with me, hopefully it didn't work. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Text Keith instead. That's Um, right. But but I I just thought about this. Like this time last year, I was at Ridgecrest with Family Camp, which was, again, Highlight of 2020 for me, I think. Uh, one of the best weeks of family vacation we've ever had. And maybe the best week of family vacation we will ever will have. So it was a, it was a fantastic week. And I missed that. I kind of was, I saw some pictures the other day from that and it's kind of reminiscing a little bit. So I, I think we're going to look back on the pandemic year as tough, very difficult, but I think we're all going to probably have some really sweet memories of things, just things like that. So yeah. we kind of slowed down a little bit. Yep, absolutely. So, all right, well, that's going to do it for our show this week. Again, thanks to Don Currents for joining us. Thanks to Southwestern each and every week for sponsoring us. And Amy, see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.